Hey, hola, kia ora, good morning, awesome. Hey, um, as Dave's already said, today is the last in our Joseph series, the last couple of months we've been looking at the life of Joseph um, in the book of Genesis, and I've just, I've really enjoyed it. I've seen some things in the story that I hadn't noticed before. Um, you know, we all know about Joseph's coat that his father gave to him, but there are a whole bunch of coats and clothes in the Joseph story. There's the coat that he um, loses when his brothers um, sell him off to Egypt, but then there's another one that he loses when he's... Um, runs from Potiphar's wife um, and goes into prison. But then when he comes out of prison, he's given new clothes and Pharaoh gives him a brand new fancy coat. So there's a whole bunch of coats in there. Who knew? I hadn't noticed that before. I want you to see and notice that I've been very dedicated to this Joseph series. Every Sunday that I've been here, been wearing my coat of mono colours. Okay. <laughs> um, it may sneakily, for those of you on the podcast, I'm wearing a really long um, grey cardigan that goes down below my knees, and it may look like I've figured out a way to bring a blanket to church, which is totally my plan for the winter. I highly recommend it. Okay. <laughs> um, I've also noticed that the story has heaps of emotions in it right through the Joseph story. Um, there's poor Jacob who's just heartbroken over losing Joseph, and he, he feels like he's going to die if something happens to Benjamin as well. Um, there's the brothers that are just so filled with guilt through the whole story. Every time something bad happens, they're like, it's because of what we did to Joseph. Um, and then there's Joseph himself. He cries so many times in the story, like I hadn't noticed that before. And we're going to see like five times today that he weeps. It's a story full of emotion. Um, so for those of you that haven't been here um, for our series, I thought I'd do a little bit of a recap. And um, when I was a kid, we had this book called Fortunately, Unfortunately, and it's kind of an up and down story. And I thought Joseph's story has really been like that. So this is my summary of um, Joseph's life up to where we're up to today. So Joseph was born into a really important family that God had made some really big promises to. Unfortunately, Joseph was one of the younger sons in this family. Fortunately, he was his father's favourite. Unfortunately, that made his brothers hate him. Fortunately, God gave Joseph some dreams which told him that one day his brothers were going to bow to him. Unfortunately, Joseph chose to tell his brothers that, which made them hate him more. Um, fortunately, his father was mostly around to protect him. Unfortunately, his brothers got him when they were far away from home and far away from their father. Fortunately, they decided not to kill him. Unfortunately, they did decide to sell him to, um, to Egypt and to slavery. Fortunately, Joseph ended up working for Potiphar, and God blessed all his work. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife took an unhealthy liking to him. Fortunately, Joseph figured out how to stay away, and then he ran away. But unfortunately, Potiphar's wife spun a story and landed Joseph in prison. Fortunately, Joseph ended up working for the guards, and God blessed all his work. Unfortunately, he was still in prison. But fortunately, God gave him the opportunity to help this cupbearer guy with his dream, um, and he eventually put in a good word for him, and Joseph ended up working for Pharaoh on an economic rescue plan for the whole of Egypt, and God blessed all his work. Unfortunately, this famine hit even Canaan, far away where the rest of his family was. 
But fortunately, they came to Egypt, and Joseph was willing to help them, even though they didn't realize who he was. Unfortunately, Joseph's father and youngest brother Benjamin were still far away in Canaan. But fortunately, Joseph came up with some cunning plans to test his brothers and then to get Benjamin to come to Canaan. Unfortunately, Joseph's father was still far away in Canaan, and Joseph's heart was torn. So that's a catch-up. That's where we start our story today. Um, and we, today we're going to hear how the story ends. So if you have a Bible, device, whatever, turn to Genesis chapter 45. Um, we're going to spend a bunch of time there, and then a bit later we're going to go to chapter 50. So find it now and you'll be all ready. Um, but life can be a bit like Joseph's story sometimes, eh? Up and down, you just get one thing sorted and then something else happens. And it can be a bit crazy, whether it's work or study or relationships or health or finances. There are ups and downs. Maybe not quite as extreme as what Joseph experienced, but it can feel like that, can't it? And it can be hard to see where God is in all of life's challenges. But there's hope as we figure out what God was doing in and through Joseph and what God can do for us. So we find Joseph at the start of um, chapter 45, we were going to jump to, and he's managed to get his brothers all to Egypt, including Benjamin, and he's um, tested his brothers and found that they're going, that they are loyal to Benjamin, and now Joseph, he just can't contain himself, he has to reveal who he is, because the brothers um, don't realise up until now that it's him. So come with me to chapter 45, verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Here's the first time today we hear him cry, and half of Egypt can hear him. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. You know, no wonder they were terrified. They were scared enough of him just being, um, when they knew that he was Pharaoh's second in command. But now he's just revealed that this is the brother that they had thrown down a pit and then sold into slavery. Terror. You know, Joseph may have been the one who had been the slave, but I reckon the brothers were the ones that were not free. Um, They were slaves to guilt and fear and shame and now terror, absolute terror. Let's jump in. Verse 4, Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. It seemed like they had to come close and really see him to get past all the Egyptian garb that he was wearing to know that he was Joseph. You know, we, we know the end of the story, most of us, eh? So we kind of, we know what's going to happen, but the brothers didn't know what was going to happen. And Joseph, he had options right now. He could have decided to get revenge You know, he could have done something really horrible and um, terrible to his brothers. He had the power and he had the motive to do that. Or he could have um, chosen justice. He could have um, given the brothers as much prison time and slavery as they had given him. That would have been justice. Or he could have chosen forgiveness. And he could have just chosen forgiveness. And forgiveness might have looked like him saying, you know what? You guys owe me a whole lot, but I'm, just, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to release you 
from that, you can go home and we'll call it even. But you know what? That would have sent the brothers back to Canaan, which was, was still going to have famine for five more years. So Joseph, he didn't just choose forgiveness. He chose radical forgiveness. And his forgiveness was forgiveness plus reconciliation. Let's take a look. Verse 5 now. This is still Joseph talking. And he said, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now notice, Joseph doesn't seek an apology from his brothers. In fact, he doesn't even wait for a response. They're probably still standing there in terror with their mouths hanging open. But he acknowledges what God has done. Notice three times he says to the brothers, actually, you may have thought you'd done this, but God sent me here. And God sent me here for his purposes. You know, from the brothers' perspective, they had done a terrible thing to Joseph. But from God's perspective, he had sent Joseph on ahead to prepare for the famine because God knew what was coming, right? So that was the forgiveness that Joseph offered. Now let's look how he also offered them reconciliation in verse 9 and through. Joseph's still speaking. He's saying, now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and about everything you've seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. So many man tears. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and afterwards his brothers talked with him. You know, Joseph had already been wailing, and now Benjamin's crying too. So much um, emotion um, letting go of that 22 years since he'd seen his brothers and um, known them. But clearly we can see here that Joseph just doesn't just offer forgiveness. He offers reconciliation as well. He offers to provide for them um, in Egypt in the years to come to ensure that they are safe. What amazing, radical forgiveness that, that Joseph offers. But forgiveness is hard, right? Joseph makes it sound really easy, but, but forgiveness is hard. And it's especially hard when people that you expect to love and care for you have hurt you. And for Joseph, it was his family. And in our families, we expect and anticipate to be loved and protected and cared for. So it hurts really deeply when we're let down. It can be really hard to address um, feelings and hurts because the costs are so high and we care so much. You know, something that we might just brush off if it was 
somebody else can, can be really painful um, when it happens inside our family. And just a little story to illustrate that. Um, when I was about eight, there was this dumb thing that we used to do at school. Um, when someone would come in and say, hello, for some reason, we did this thing where we would go, goodbye, in a kind of a sarcastic voice, right? And um, growing up, there was a lot of extended family that kind of lived near where I grew up, and we'd often have parties and get-togethers and that kind of thing with multiple generations and all the cousins and um, the older people in the family as well, which was cool. Um, and I remember a particular gathering, and it was at our house. So everybody was coming to our house, and um, this particular senior family, family member um, arrived, and I was the one near the entrance. You can guess where this is going, right? Um, and I couldn't have known it as an eight-year-old, but because of certain circumstances, this senior member of our family uh, may have felt quite vulnerable in her position in our family, okay? And she comes in bright and bubbly, and she was like, hello, and I'm the closest one there, and I said, goodbye. And that's all I said, and I saw her face drop, and I was like, oh. But I didn't think too much of it, and she wandered off and said hello to all the other adults and stuff. And then about five minutes later, Mum came and said to me, what did you say to her to make her so upset? And I was eight, so I said, nothing. Um, but I knew that even though I hadn't meant to, I'd, I'd really made her feel unwelcome just by saying goodbye when she arrived. And again, because I was eight, I didn't go and say anything. I just felt really bad about it for about a decade or more, um, honestly. Um, so the point is, because that was a family situation and, you know, my relative was already feeling kind of vulnerable, the hurt potentially from one little word, unintentional in that case, um, potentially could have caused a lot of harm. So imagine how much more damage is, is caused in a situation like with Joseph when there's intentional, um, purposeful harm and something really nasty like that happening in a family. But um, So I just want to mention how amazing and cool it is to see so much extended family and friends that have come and um, supported the baby dedications today because, man, family support is just gold, Like especially when you have littlies, but all the way through it's just, just amazing. And, and we need it, don't we? We need the support of our families. Um, and church support is so valuable and amazing too. And in church, we're like a family. We're a spiritual family. And here we expect and anticipate to be cared and loved for, loved, cared for and loved. Um, but we're humans, and sometimes we hurt each other, and, and it can be really hard to address because the hurts are deep and the costs are high. But Joseph had been cruelly and intentionally harmed by his brothers, yet without an apology, he chose to forgive them. And that's radical for what he'd been through. So I want to share with you some ideas about forgiveness. Um, and I just want to let you know that these aren't my ideas. I've listened to a couple of different seminars, and these ladies said some really similar things that I thought were valuable. So um, some of this information comes from Sarah Field. She's a pastor at the Street City Church in Wellington, and also some came from Sharon Garlow-Brown. She's an author and um, spiritual director. So... 
Forgiveness is as much for the forgiver as it is for the forgiven. So when you forgive somebody, you get to let something go. You get to let go um, anger or bitterness or resentment. And, you know, you can do that as a single person to another. Forgiveness takes one. And it can be done um, without having received an apology or sometimes without even the person knowing Ooh, second one, forgiveness does not diminish or discount the wrongness of what was done or the hurt. Um, it doesn't mean that what was done to you was okay. Even Joseph was really clear that what had been done to him um, was intentional and it was harmful. Okay, forgiveness is different to trust and reconciliation. Um, and re trust in reconciliation may not always be wise to, to go along with forgiveness. Reconciliation takes two parties that are coming together and working together, and trust has to be earned. And forgiveness means letting go of personally requiring um, the other person to have to pay. You know that feeling of, oh, I'm going to make them pay for this. You let go of that feeling. And I've got a little asterisk there just to... Um, let you know that even though forgiveness might be given and you let go of the need for someone to pay, it, sometimes legal justice is still necessary and there might be natural consequences. And lastly, forgiveness is a process. It's something that we can decide even if we don't necessarily feel it, which may mean that if I forgive someone, I have to decide tomorrow that I've still forgiven them and decide the next day that I've still given that forgiveness. I want to share some quotes with you from Corrie Ten Boom. Um, she is a Christian Holocaust survivor who was in a concentration camp in World War II and survived. Um, and after the war, she met and forgave two Germans that had been at the same camp that she was with. And one of them had been particularly cruel to her sister who um, died in the camp. Um, so the first quote, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It has a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. And another quote, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover the prisoner was you. So just that idea that forgiveness is as much for the forgiver as the forgiven. Okay, let's um, go back to our story again. So Joseph has asked his brothers to um, go back to Canaan and tell his father that he's alive and to bring, to bring him back. So that's what they do. Let's pick up the story in chapter 45, verse 25. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He didn't believe them. This is our second stunned silence today. But when they told him everything that Joseph had said to them, and when they saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, and the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Jacob said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So this is kind of a little bit funny to me because Joseph thought he'd die if anything happened to Benjamin when he went to Egypt. But now Benjamin is back from Egypt and Joseph is alive, um, but Jacob is still talking about dying. Um, 
But first he's got to see his son, Joseph, right? Well, the reunion happens. The whole family pack up all their stuff um, permanently, and they head to Egypt. And remember, this is 22 years since Jacob has last seen Joseph. And in chapter 46, verse 29... The family arrives into Egypt, and Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen up to meet his father Jacob. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said, or Jacob said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. So Joseph's still crying. And Jacob's still talking about dying. <laughs> but, you know, remember, this is 22 years and uh, an emotional reunion, so it's not surprising, is it? You know, Jacob's talking about dying, and he's already 130, but he's actually got 17 more good years in him. And it seems like the family lives pretty happily um, together in Egypt for the next 17 years, and Joseph makes sure that the family's provided for with the provisions of Egypt. But eventually, at the age of 147, Jacob does die, and Joseph is right there. Jump right over to chapter 50 and verse 1. Jacob's just died, and Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. More tears there. But um, So Jacob's passed away. He's given this amazing, full Egyptian funeral, um, like almost like a dignitary. He's mummified these days of morning, like a couple of months, and then his body is taken to Canaan, and he's laid to rest beside Abraham and Isaac. Then our story takes a wee twist, um, and the brothers' hearts are revealed. You know, we thought we'd dealt with everything, there'd been forgiveness and reconciliation, but something else happens. So take a look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, we're going to read a chunk here. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. Uh-oh. Joseph's brothers kind of reveal their true feelings here. Seems they think that Joseph was only showing kindness to them because Jacob was still around and only doing it for the sake of their father. And now that Jacob's dead, uh, maybe they're going to be punished. You know, I just imagine, you know, we see Joseph crying again, and I just imagine how gutted he is at this point. Guys, it's been 17 years they've been living in um, Egypt with him. And Joseph's been putting in a lot of effort to make sure the family is all okay, but they're still thinking the worst of him, um, that he might be angry and vengeful and that they hadn't forgiven him, uh, that he hadn't forgiven them, sorry. And it's really awful when somebody um, thinks the worst of you, and it's even worse when they don't even come and talk to you about it. Like, they sent a message. I mean, they were probably scared, but they sent a message to Joseph first rather than coming to talk to him. But verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. 
We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them. You know, we see such maturity from Joseph here. It's amazing. You know, that 17-year-old boy who kind of just told his brothers about his dream and didn't care how that might sound to them or how that, you know, what that would do to their feelings, to hear um, where he's going out of his way to reassure them and to be kind to them and to make sure they're okay. I want us, we're going to focus in on um, chapter 50, verse 20 for a few seconds, but to understand this verse, I want to show you a picture. It's going to come up on the screen here. Any second. Cool. Hey, this is the view I grew up with. See the, um, the fence on the side in the garden? That's my mum and dad's house. They still live there. So this is pretty much the view out the dining room window that I grew up with. And um, those hills at the back there, those are the Rohini Ranges. Pretty cool. Um, but what I want you to notice there um, to do with those hills, see the, the green paddocks, that's my dad's farm, and then particularly in the gap between the trees there, you notice there's some, actually some hills that look a darker green. There's a couple of sets of hills. Those are the foothills. And then the ranges are the ones, they, they take on this kind of cool bluey colour, and they're in behind. So what I want you to notice is that there are some layers to these hills. Okay? And um, if you're standing right at the base of the foothills, right at the bottom of the dark green ones, you might, because they're up ahead of you, you might think they're the only hills that are there. So, um, and it's not until, you know, you get a bird's eye view over the whole thing that you would know how many ups and downs, how many dips and valleys there are if you wanted to get to the top of those ranges. So two things, it's not a straight climb to the summit. It's up and down to get there, right? And two, it depends what perspective you're looking from as to how many layers you see of those hills. Okay, so bear that in mind as we unpack um, chapter 50, verse 20. So the first part of that verse says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Okay, so I just want to remind you um, again about what Craig talked about a few weeks ago when we looked at chapter 40 when Joseph was in prison and we talked about um, God's timing and all that and how long it was. You know, if, if you weren't here or you're just um, joining us today, I really encourage you to go back to that podcast and listen to that. Um, it was the one for June 28. It was really great. And Craig was talking about how throughout Joseph's life, even in the worst of times when he was in slavery and in prison, um, Joseph saw God's hand of blessing in his life. God was there, and God was working behind the scenes. At each step along the way, Joseph put his faith and his confidence in God and in what God was doing and what God was revealing. And there were some really great verses that Craig shared to do with that. So remember that fortunately, unfortunately story? Well, every time something went terribly wrong for Joseph... God was there. He was doing something good in the background. And it might not have been what we might think might have been the good thing to have done for Joseph. But God was there and he was blessing Joseph. And it was in a way that matched 
God's plans for a much bigger picture. God's plan wasn't a direct route for the summit, but he was going to get Joseph there. You know, God had made promises to Joseph through his dreams, and he'd made promises to generations before um, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God was big enough, powerful enough, and faithful enough to keep those promises. And, you know, when other people treat me like rubbish or do stuff that really hurts me or if there's a disaster going on in my life, my best hope is to cling to God, to trust that he has a much bigger picture in view, to look for his blessings, look for the promises that he's given me in his word and hold on to those because Joseph's God is our God and our God is still big enough, powerful enough, and faithful enough to keep the promises that he has made to you and me. You know, God's work is often internal. Um, a verse that will be really familiar to heaps of you from Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. You know, we really hope that this verse means that God's going to make all our plans work out and that it's always going to be hopeful and prosperous. But no, it says God knows the plans that he has for us. And the key to those plans is always to read the next two verses. God speaking, he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's part of God's ultimate plan for us through it all. You know, we see Joseph's heart is deeply connected to God's purposes, even in the most difficult times, because Joseph believed what God had revealed to him and he was able to trust God's bigger plan. And, you know, we've followed Joseph now over 40 years of his lifespan, and um, he has such faith in his God and in God's plan that he's able to forgive his brother's intentional, harmful behavior and see God's good in it. I've got another um, quote for you. This one's from a theologian, Dr. Mark Strauss, and he says, what may look like a human disaster may in fact be God at work. God can take the disasters in our lives and make something good come from them, if only we trust him. If you want something to grab onto, write down, take home with you today, it's that last bit. God can take the disasters in our lives and make something good come from them. If only we trust him. Hey, the second part of that verse, the saving of many lives. This statement has many layers to it. It's kind of like the picture of the hills. There's the ones at the front, and there's a bit more behind, and there's a bit more behind that. You know, Joseph and his brothers, they could see that the saving of many lives through what Joseph had done meant all of Egypt was saved from this famine. Their family was brought and saved from the famine. But there was another more distant layer. God had made promises that one day all people would be blessed through this family. And so God's long view of the saving of many lives included the saving of this family, which meant the saving of the Hebrew race, which meant that these brothers and Joseph's sons would become the 12 tribes of 
Jacob, who was renamed Israel, which would become the lineage of, from which Jesus would come. And the ultimate saving of many lives are those saved by what Jesus did for us on the cross so that we can have forgiveness. And that is truly radical forgiveness that we need to know about. So I want to share with you some ideas about God's radical forgiveness. You know, God's forgiveness is all for my benefit. It's all for your benefit. You know, God doesn't sit around feeling angry and resentful, and that's why he needs to forgive us so that he will feel better. He wants to forgive us because he loves us, and he wants us to be free. When God forgives, he also forgets. It's not that he can't remember. He chooses to never bring to mind again the wrong things that we've done. And God's forgiveness always, always, always also offers reconciliation because he's all about the relationship. He offers forgiveness so that we can be in relationship with him. And God's forgiveness means full and final payment has been made. Jesus died once and for all. God doesn't forgive and then still ask you to work off a debt of guilt and shame. You know, there might be some natural consequences that you have to live through, but God forgives and he sets you free from the debt that you have with him. That's awesome news, isn't it? That's good news. That's the good news. You know, God can take our mistakes, our sins, our failures, even the harm that has come to us in this life, um, and turn it into something good. That's what God's been doing right throughout Joseph's life, right throughout the series we've seen it. And that's what he can do in your life and in mine. So let's put our trust in him. Hey, to, to finish up, I'm going to bring up some, some questions for you to consider. Just think about them as we go through. Ponder them. Is God bringing anything to mind for you? First one, who do I need to forgive? This is for me too. You know, who do I need to forgive? Maybe it's the person I sat across from breakfast with this morning. Maybe it's someone across the aisle from me now. Maybe it's someone I'll see tomorrow. Maybe it's someone I haven't seen for ages. You know what? If I think I've forgiven someone, do my actions and my attitudes add up with that decision? That's a real challenging one for me. Um, what could reconciliation look like in that? Is it possible? Could you start it? Is it safe? The next question is probably the most important one, actually. Do I, do you have God's radical forgiveness through salvation? It's the most important place to start, and hopefully heaps of you can say yes, which is awesome because it means that God is with you and empowering you to do um, to deal with the other stuff. If you don't have God's forgiveness yet, um, then you need it because you, you need that for God's help to deal with yourself and with others. But you, you mostly need that forgiveness from God because um, he wants you to have freedom. Has someone or even God forgiven me yet and I'm still living in guilt? Remember Joseph's tears um, when he realized that his brothers hadn't actually accepted the forgiveness and reconciliation that he had given them? Well, imagine God's heart. If he's given you forgiveness, you're forgiven in him and you're still walking around in needless guilt and shame. You don't have to do that. 
you know, maybe forgiveness isn't your issue today. Maybe you don't need to give or receive forgiveness. But maybe life has some other troubles. Well, in what disaster do I, do you, need to see God at work today? Is God speaking to you in any of those? Hey, if he is, he's just some some real simple suggestions of, of what you could do with that. The first one, talk to God about it. It's where you've got to start, talk to him. You know, you might even struggle to know how you can talk to God about it. You might need someone to come alongside you in that. And so I'd really encourage you, don't go away today without getting someone come alongside you and pray with you. Um, There are people here that would love to pray with you. Come and see me. I'd love to pray with you. Um, The front row is a really good place to to choose someone (laughs) to come and pray with you. The pastors, um, elders, and and their wives, they would all love to pray with you. Maybe, Maybe it's actually even too hard to talk to someone about how they could pray for you this morning. But you know what? We have another option. We have a prayer box, and you can fill in a card and write on that. You don't even have to put your name down, and there will be people praying for you, but start there. Talk to God about it. Maybe it's something, um, yeah, that you just feel you need some help to process a situation. So I just, maybe you need to talk to a counsellor or um, there's our elders, our pastors. Maybe you have a wise friend. And you know what? If they can't help you, they can maybe help you find the right person to talk to. But do your part. Begin the process for your sake and for whoever else is involved in your situation, um, if it's forgiveness and reconciliation that you need to consider. And just remember that only your part is your part. Trust God for the rest. Remember, forgiveness just takes one person. It can be a decision. It doesn't necessarily need an apology. It doesn't, um, the other person might not even be involved. But trust has to be earned, and reconciliation takes two willing parties moving together. So only your part is your part. Trust God for the rest. Because, you know, overall, the story of Joseph that we've finished now is part of the much bigger story of Genesis. And that story goes something like this. God created the world, and people made it in his own image, and it was really good. Unfortunately, sin entered God's creation and tainted everything including humanity's relationship with God. Fortunately, God had a plan, and radical forgiveness and reconciliation is offered to every person who will accept it. Unfortunately, we still live in a broken world, and even as believers in Jesus, we can hurt each other and are hurt by others. Fortunately, as receivers of God's grace and forgiveness in our own lives, we can learn and practice to show love, forgiveness, and grace to others with God's help, and even when it's hard. Let me pray. Lord God, firstly, thank you that you are our God of forgiveness and reconciliation. Lord, thank you for your plan through Jesus to set us free from the guilt and the shame and the penalty of sin. Lord, thank you for the freedom that Jesus has paid for us. Lord, I pray that um, the story of Joseph, that his character and choices and his maturing through the story, Lord, will be an encouragement to us, encouragement as we deal with the hard and harmful things in our lives and the disasters that we can find ourselves amongst. Lord, I pray that you would give real courage to those that you've spoken to today, 
Lord, um, just help them to, to find the courage to talk to you and to, to start what they need to do, Lord, as you show them. Lord, thank you that you're with us as we choose to respond to you and that we can look to you and that we can cry out to you for help. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you long for us to be whole. In Jesus' precious name.